0: there you go. There's the story of the Bible right there. How many of you know that story? Some of you know that story. Some of us know part of that story. Whether you know some of it or you don't know any of it, we're glad that you made it to Luminous Church this morning. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning as we talk about chaos. Everybody say "Chaos." chaos. Chaos. The world was Chaos. There was chaos all around, and we're going to explore this epic theme of the Bible over the next five weeks in big, large chunks. We're going to talk about creation. We're going to talk about fall. We're going to talk about Israel's story. We're going to talk about redemption through Jesus and new creation. So we're going to take this Bible and we're going to divide it into five chunks that we could digest and see What God would have for us and how we are a part of this great epic narrative. How many of you love epic narratives? You love sagas and stories that last forever. You you love Lord of the Rings. Any Lord of the Rings fans? A few, okay. What about Avengers? Any Avengers fans? Okay, a few more. Well, maybe you have another saga that you just love and that you are so excited about. The thing about it, Star Wars. Star Wars is another one, right? Star Wars, which they did all that backwards. We're so confused. That's another saga. It's another another moment that we look at and that's what the Bible is. The Bible is this epic narrative that is not a fairy tale but is actual reality. It's a reality that has spanned over hundreds and even thousands of years, and it has so many different storylines within this great book, but it has an overarching story as well, and so you saw an overarching story through this visualization from the Bible Project, which I'm so grateful that they're producing content for us to understand the Bible at a greater level and greater depth. How many of you are visual learners, right? A few of us, so that really helped you. I hope it helped you this morning, Tim Mackey and the Bible Project. He actually goes to seminary with uh, my my biblical theology professor, Seth Trimmer, and uh, they went to seminary together. And a lot of the content that I'm pulling for us today is from actually Dr. Seth Trimmer this morning. And hopefully it's uh, it's helpful for you and moves us along. Over a thousand pages. Have you ever attempted to read this book and you only get so far and then you realize what is this talking about? Anybody else? But you just come to church because that's what you're supposed to do and you really love Jesus but you don't really know his story. I I think a lot of us may have glimpses of that. You see, uh, your faith is not hinged upon knowing the entirety of the story. It's hinged on knowing Jesus and his revelation that he's given you. And then our journey ensues from there that we move on this journey with him, learning about him. And the more that I find myself learning about Jesus, learning about this narrative, learning these stories, the the greater I have found myself worshiping, the greater my love has grown for God. Have you found that to be true? Maybe you have a a friend uh, decades a worth of friendship stored up with somebody and you found that your love for them grows the longer you know them. It's so true. This is what happens with God. It's it's not like you learn a little bit and then you peace out and then you live your life separate from him. He has included you in this journey to know him and that knowing him draws you to a greater intimacy or love with him. The epic narrative is understood through many different patterns throughout Scripture. You can look at several different patterns. We could look at trees and how trees are in the beginning and in the middle and at the end. We can look at mountains and see how mountains are significant for the beginning, the middle, and the end. We can look at marriage and the pattern of marriage throughout the Bible. We could look at a royal priesthood being sons and daughters throughout the Bible. And and these narratives or these patterns move throughout this epic narrative. And I want to use one over the next five weeks called divine reversals. Divine reversals. Irony, if you will. Did you grow up ever practicing opposite day? Maybe, maybe, did anybody grow up play, playing Opposite Day? Where you would say one thing, but you say, it's Opposite Day, I mean something different. Where you would say, like, I hate chocolate. Just kidding, it's Opposite Day. I really love chocolate. Or, or maybe you would do this when you were a little younger. Maybe, you know, some of you singles may still try this. As you go up to someone and say, hey, I like you, do you like me? And then you hear the word no, you go, oh, it's okay, it's Opposite Day. I don't really like you. Have you ever done that? You know, it's like this protection. I I remember doing that with Miranda in second grade, and and it didn't work well. I lived opposite day every day of my life. The great irony, the opposite of what is intended. Opposites, these reversals, these divine reversals, and God uses these throughout the Bible. And I hope that we can explain this through creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the heavens above and the earth below. He created them. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. This is the moment that in the beginning there was chaos. The, the, the heavens above and the earth below, but it describes the earth in a very very chaotic sense. There's chaos all around. The earth was out, out of order. It was formless, and it was uninhabitable, and there was no intelligent life that could exist in the deepness below. There was only chaos. There was nothing that would produce life. In the very beginning, chaos, this moment of, of just chaotic. Uh, you, you ever see middle school students? We send all our middle school students out of here because they're so chaotic, right? But but they just run around like crazy. There's actually a game called chaos. Have you ever played chaos? Chaos is a game where you sit in a circle, and if we weren't in a theater, I would have set up our chairs in that way this morning. We would have all played chaos so you it could experience The very beginning when the earth was in existence, it was deep waters, it was dark, it was was this deep blue, this depth without form, just chaos. It's a bunch of middle schoolers running around like crazy, and you're losing your mind. Just me. I actually love a little bit of chaos, and I remember being a youth pastor playing this game of chaos. You sit in a circle, and you would call out something like, You would say black shoes, and everybody with black shoes would have to get up from their chair and have to find an empty chair. It's like crazy musical chairs. And then if you yelled the word chaos, what would happen is everybody would have to get up and run to the opposite side of the circle trying to find a chair. It's crazy. It's chaos. I want you to think about this, that in the beginning, there was this chaotic Form or formlessness, this voidness. The Hebrew word is tohu vavohu, tohu vavohu. That the world was empty and formless. It was purposeless. It was void, and it was total chaos. Now I want you to know that chaos is not necessarily sin, right? Just because something is rough and something is formless and it's it's without uh, inhabitable uh, presence of Life. It doesn't mean that there was sin. God wasn't creating sin. This this word for chaos is not sin. It is. It, it's like a a canvas, if you will. And when you get a canvas and you put it on an easel, and there would be a top, the heavens, and then the bottom would be the earth, and you would splatter just dark blues and a base paint on there. And it would be this formless piece that that doesn't have anything on it quite yet. Then we read about this moment when there's tohu vavohu in the very beginning. In Genesis 1-2-B, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you have the heaven above. You have the earth below and right above the waters was the Spirit of God fluttering about. Already we see a, a pattern, don't we? Throughout the Bible, you see Noah sends out a dove right over the waters with the heaven above, the Spirit fluttering. You see the Spirit fluttering in this moment in Jesus' baptism with the chaotic waters of going down and coming up. And what's fluttering? The Spirit of God, You see how that works. And throughout this narrative, there's these moments that we see of patterns to help us understand a greater story. Do you realize that God wasn't just pinning this moment in a moment? He was pinning it over time through people, through circumstances, leading us to a place. And in the beginning, we see this, that the heavens above and the earth below and the spirit was fluttering over the waters and what i love about the spirit of god the spirit of god brings freedom have you found that to be true the spirit of god brings freedom second corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom we see freedom is the place when there is peace and a non-anxious presence. There's peace that happens when the spirit is present. Peace happens in our life when the spirit starts fluttering, and the the breath of God, the the ruach of God, is translated to His spirit moving over the earth. We see this happen over and over again. This breath, this moment of coming into the chaos, coming over they chaos. How many of you have your life, has your life been a little chaotic over the last couple years? It's felt a little tohu vavohu in your life. There's been a little crisis and chaos that has happened through pandemics and through situations with the work and inflation and with your family members, and we experience this around us, this Tohu vavohu around us. But what you see is the ruach, the breath of God, the, the spirit that is fluttering. It is fluttering in a way where God is about to speak form into the formless. Where he's about to speak order into that which is disordered. He's about to send the spirit of his breath into creation to make. Ruach has power, the the speaking has power, it has power out of us. I want you to hold your hand in front of your face, if you will. Hold your hand in front of your face, and I want you, in this moment, I want you to say these words, let there be light. Okay, now say them a little louder, let there be light. What do you feel right there? Ruach, breath, power. That power is what God is speaking into creation to take the tohu vavohu into tov, into good. That which is good. God creates these moments when there's chaos and brings about this good and this form into it. We see it in verse 4, and God saw lights when he made light and darkness, and he said that it was good. Good said that it was tov. See, tohu, vavohu, when you put these words together, it creates good. Tov. Day two, he creates the sky and water. Day three, land and seas. And he says that it's good. What does he say? Tov. Tov. Everybody say tov. So that was Tov. Day four, sun, moon, and stars, he created them. And what did he say it was? Tov. Day five, he creates fish and birds. And all of a sudden, this disorder, that which was chaotic, that which was formless, that which had void in it, started getting form. And that form was able to inhabit life. In day six, he creates the animals to fill the earth, man and woman. And with his last breath, he creates the image bearers, the imago day of God. In verse 26 and 27, let's read that. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and on the seventh day, he rested and saw everything that he breathed out and created and said that it was very tov. It was very Good. This moment was very good when God was creating all of this creation is the first reversal, that which was formless and without form and void. All of a sudden there was this design, which I will label design irony, this moment where God was starting to do that, which was opposite and started to breathe and create something opposite of what was. Only God can bring divine reversals into situations by divine power. It's only God who can create something out of nothing. This is the God that we serve. And what we're learning about today is this is the God that we know and has intimately made us to be his image bearers, which is good and very good this godly order that god sets up has a godly purpose you realize god doesn't just create to create he creates with purpose in mind that means that when you were created when you were begotten in the womb and you came out you realize that you have purpose you have purpose this morning and i think this is good news this is tove because in your life there may be chaos In your life, there may be some purposelessness. In your life, you realize and you ask this question, why was I made? What am I made for? Who am I supposed to represent? So you try to represent things and images that are not the true image of how you were created. You start worshiping identities and workplaces And the cars that we drive and the clothes that we wear and we start elevating these things to create image upon us. But there is already a God thumbprint on your life. God has uniquely made you and wired you. And I know this to be true. You see, I, I know this lady who struggled for 25 years with a meth addiction. She was on addiction. She was on meth for 25 years. She has two children, and it started to down spiral, and her life became tohu vavohu. It became chaotic in such a way that it had not just chaos, but this chaos that is it came about sin within that chaos of her life, and it started to, to deteriorate her very self. From her flesh to her teeth, the outward deterioration was only a reflection of the inward deterioration of her soul. And what I love about this moment is there was a woman who knew Tov who knew good, who knew her purpose, who knew why she was made. And she ran to that woman, and she started speaking life over that woman. And she helped that woman. And she started bringing order into chaotic situation. And that hoarded house and that drug house, there was dumpster after dumpster of things being thrown away, and she was taken to a detox rehabilitation center where she is now drug-free, rededicated her life to Christ, got baptized, and is walking in freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit flutters over chaos, order is dispensed into the middle of it to create purpose and form. And when Adam and Eve were created, they were created with purpose. They were created with a mission. A God who loves gives a purpose of love to Adam. You see, God doesn't create you so that you wouldn't have a direction and destination. The direction and destination of Adam was to walk in the cool of the evening with God, to enjoy him. And then go from that moment, the holy of holies, this inner place where God dwelt. And to descend from the mountain and to start multiplying in the earth and feel the earth. Adam had a mandate, the Adamic mandate or the cultural mandate that we see in verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Seth Trimmer says this, everything he puts his thumbprint on, relationship follows. Everything God touches, he gives and he shares, including his authority and his authority over the earth to subdue it and reign it, over it. This is an incredible mandate given to Adam and Eve in the very beginning. There is purpose in this moment of their design. This cultural mandate, if you will. If cultures are the societies and the, the way that people live and the way that they write music and reflect it and the artistry and all those things, Adam and Eve had a cultural mandate to move God's mission around the earth and start creating a God kingdom culture. And what I love about God is he has not stopped giving us a mandate. For those who are in Christ, we also have a mandate not to have a holy huddle, not to stay in the holy of holies, but we are called to go out to subdue, to preach the gospel, to introduce the kingdom, to introduce the creator, and look at tohu vohu situations and start bringing tov solutions to those situations. This is what God's called us to do in the very beginning, and the mission hasn't stopped. You were created for good works. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You realize that God is not done with his people. The great narrative that we are looking at over the next few weeks is this narrative that God has chosen a people to redeem a people, to send them on mission. It's good news. It's tov news. It's the gospel that was working in me and through me, in you and through you. You were made to be a blessing, church. Before God gave this mandate, in Genesis, right before that, he said he blessed them. He blessed them. Before they did anything for God, God blessed them. We see a picture of God's goodness and grace towards humanity. That you don't have to work for favor and you don't have to work for this admiration by God, that you were chosen and you were blessed to be a blessing. God blessed you. A few questions for you this week. Maybe this morning. Do you feel like your life is in chaos or is it in order? Are you sensing the spirit fluttering in your life and there is peace, even though the world may be chaotic around you, but there's this non-anxious presence inside of you? When is the last time you felt the breath of God breathe on you? When did he breathe on you? Jesus, breathe the spirit on his disciples. There was this breath. There was this moment. Where you feel turbulence, I want you to ask God for peace this week. Make a list. Maybe you're making a mental list right now. Maybe there's a list that's happening in your heart, in your soul, where you're feeling turbulence. I just want you to lean in and ask the Holy Spirit for peace in that moment. And where you feel purposeless, ask God to bring clarity and renew the great mandate. The mandate as His son's His daughters to subdue the earth, to bring the glory of God in chaotic situations. I want to pray for you, if you would, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. God, there was chaos. There was chaos in the beginning. The earth was without form. It was void, and yet you brought purpose. And you spoke good into the chaotic waters, the deepness that was there. And you brought about life that could habitate, life that could be there, life that would honor you and give you glory. For your intent was to have relationship with us so that we could just return the blessing that you gave to us back to you. Lord, we want to be a people Who live blessed to be a blessing. Who live at peace to bring peace. To be a people who have the Spirit. To breathe the Spirit on others. Help us do that, Lord. And I just pray for anybody in here who's anxious. Frustrated. Their prayer request is on the forefront of their mind. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Speak good to it, speak your love to it, speak your grace to that situation. Would victory be realized in our lives in Jesus' name? Amen. Can we give it up for?